fundraisers, I'm Don Lego. It's time to buckle up for a new episode of Raise Nation Radio, the one and only podcast made to inspire fundraisers like you to continue making impact in our communities, building better tomorrows, and exchanging ideas. So whether you're a trailblazer or seasoned pro, you'll pick up the trends that transform your fundraising. And together, we'll dive into loudly conversations and we'll chat with industry-leading fundraisers and thought leaders to explore hot-button issues and innovative ideas. So stay with us for the next 30 minutes while we inspire you to embrace the future of fundraising. All right, let's get going. Welcome back. If you've been with us before, thank you, thank you, thank you for making this show such a fan favorite. We love our fearless fundraising community and the Raise Nation Radio and getting to uh, talk to you or uh, engage with you, I should say, in this manner. So we really appreciate you following us. If you're new to the show, well, you can follow us on the channel that you like best because we're everywhere. We stream on 10 different podcast channels. We're on demand at onecause.com. We're live from the race conference annually every September. And um, yeah, we're we're here. So join us. And um, I am so excited to move into um, conversations with our guests. But, you know, it's it's a it's a delicate situation or a delicate conversation um, at the same time. But we're going to peel back the layers of the onion and get into a honest, good, authentic conversation about um, mental health which is so important. And just a shout out to the company that I work for, One Cause, who has put so much emphasis on mental health and well-being. And um, we're in the middle of our uh, open enrollment uh, benefit program, and there's all sorts of resources for us. So thank you, One Cause, because our mental health is just so important and it's a tough time of year. It's not mental health awareness, that's May, um, but every day is mental health awareness. And this is a really, a delicate time going into the holidays. So I'm so happy to welcome my guests. We have from the um, Friends of Mental Health, Becky Glines, um, who's the communications director, and Marissa West, who's the communications foundation coordinator. I hope I got those titles right. If not, you can correct me. But Marissa and Becky, welcome to Raise Nation Radio. So glad you're here, especially on the brink of the holidays when we probably need to have this conversation. But thank you for joining us on Raise Nation Radio. Thank you for having us. And what yes, can I get thank into you. Some- We're very excited. You were going to get into some good conversations, but first, I really want the audience to understand um, a little bit about Friends of Mental Health, the mission, where it started, what's your story and your journey, and then we'd love to get to know you too. Um, you know, a title doesn't say it all, uh, kind of just lets us know what you're doing over there, uh, maybe a little bit, but what, you know, what do you do every day and what's your purpose, your why, and just share whatever you'd like to share about yourself personally. So we'll go in alpha order. How's that, Becky? Can we start with you? Absolutely. So would you like to just hear about me first or the organization? Go for it. Any order is fine. Okay. Well, I'm Becky Glines. I'm the communications director um, and you will hear the word Southwestern um, throughout this conversation. So I do want to explain how that ties into the organization Friends of Mental Health. The actual legal name of our organization is Southwestern Foundation. However, we have a DBA, which is Friends of Mental Health. It's just easier and funner to use that name um, in our community to tell people what exactly we are. We are friends who care about mental health. I have been with Southwestern Healthcare since May of 2007. 
So over 16 years, I've been the communications director. Um, this organization, um, Southwestern Healthcare, works with not only the employees of Southwestern Healthcare, but our other three entities, which is Southwestern Behavioral Healthcare, Hillcrest Youth Services, and then the Friends of Mental Health. I came to this organization in 2007, 18 months after I lost a parent to suicide. I lost a parent in December of 2005 while I was eight months pregnant with my first child. And so after that time um, of healing, I realized that it was um, my time in life to take that pain and turn it into purpose. And so um, I was hesitant, but then when I convinced myself this was the right career path for me um, to move forward with my journey, I came here and I've been able to do a lot of great things um, with uh, what I've been through. I've been able to help with uh, starting a 24-hour suicide prevention hotline, been able to do um, marketing communications for all those entities um, to tell people where to go and how to get the help. And to be confident in mental health services. Um, I've joined coalitions, a suicide prevention coalition, and then also a team called the Hope Team. And we respond to suicides, unfortunately, after the, they've happened. And we go, we talk with families um, because we have been there. We have lost a loved one. So that is basically my goal um, and my purpose. Um, I've taken that pain to change it into um, helping other families not have to hopefully go through what our family endured um, and to help um, bring more light and awareness to mental health. That is my goal. Oh, Becky, I'm so sorry for your loss. It's been 16 years, but still, I, I want to just pause there for a moment. Um, I'm sure it lives with you every single day, but also express gratitude for living your why and your purpose and turning this around to hopefully help even just one person. It's it's all worth it. So um, my sympathies and my gratitude for what you're doing for the communities and how you've, you know, it's not what happens, it's how you handle it and you've handled it lovely. So thank you for being vulnerable and sharing that. It's thank you. really heartfelt for sure. Um, yeah, just need to pause there for a minute because... Um, that's a tender moment, but, um, we do have to go on and you have gone on in such a beautiful way. Um, let's, let's talk to Marissa a little bit and get your story. Um, so my name is Marissa West. I am the communications foundation coordinator. I have been with Southwestern, um, behavioral healthcare since April of 2019. Um, this is my second company that I've worked for since I graduated college, um, with my bachelor's in social work. My history is mental health runs very thick in my family. Um, I am a child of an addict. So that is where my heart kind of lays is mental health and addiction. Um, I lost my mom in March of 2013. And that really sparked a lot in me of who I wanted to help, where I wanted to put my energy and just how I can help others feel not alone and feel like they are heard. A lot of people feel like they are voiceless when it comes to their mental health and um, because there's such a stigma around it and with addiction as well. And that's something that really needs to continue to be talked about and discussed with anyone because mental health and addiction affects everyone. There is no, there is no like, 
specific gender or population or anything that it affects. It affects no boundaries. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Um, so I actually have been the communication foundation coordinator for a little over a month now. Um, I recently transitioned. So, um, this is just another way for me to really get the word out about services that are available and really help others feel like they, again, are just not alone. This world is crazy in itself. So having others who can sit and listen in any way, shape or form is very, very important. Oh my goodness. This is an inspirational um, episode of Raise Nation Radio for sure. So the same sentiments to you. Um, I'm so sorry. And thank you. You know, I, I don't you know, just... Um, there's no words really, but what you're both doing is remarkable to have gone through such pain and and have such stoicism behind you to move on in a positive way to help others. And we're very grateful that that you do. That seems is that that the culture of friends of mental health? Are you all it? it, it but I, let me just end it there. Is is that the culture? I know you had very humble beginnings with the um, Dr. John Barry and his wife Kathleen. It really started in the same light of very humble beginnings and just a need to um, persevere through mental health and and make some change. So, is that fair to say that this is the culture of of the organization? Yes. Um, yes. Um, between myself and Marissa and our stories that kind of fuels and ignites our passion weekend, uh, day in, day out, every week um, to continue to do this work because uh, we want to just keep the conversations moving forward um, and keep the energy up around mental health. We're seeing such a huge difference. I've seen a huge difference in the 16 years I've been doing this work. I know Marissa's probably seen a huge difference in the five years she's been um, a clinician. But yes, yeah, so back to the roots of the uh, Friends of Mental Health, it did start around a kitchen table. So doctor, when Dr. John Barry um, was still alive, unfortunately, he passed away in 2004. Um, he and his wife received the news that their middle child, um, actually, I'm sorry, their youngest child was diagnosed um, with a mental health disorder. And so they went to a NAMI, which is National Alliance for Mental Illness Support Group. And after that meeting, John looked at Kathleen and said, we need to do more. And so that began um, the Friends of Mental Health. And so they asked their friends to come over and they had dinner around a table as just friends. And they said, this is what's occurring. And, um, you know, another friend said, well, I have this history with my family. And then another friend said, I have this history with my family. And they didn't know they all shared this commonality of having mental illness in all their families. And so from that, it sparked an event that happened in the spring of 2004 called the Blues Brothers. And there were a couple of um, national CBS broadcasters who both lived with mental illness and they came to Evansville. Um, that's one thing we forgot to mention in the beginning, the Friends of Mental Health was located in Evansville, Indiana. And they came to Evansville with a sold out audience and they raised over $100,000 at that event. Um, and that kind of sparked um, to them, like there is a lot of work to be done and a lot of people interested in this topic. Um, and so that led to where we are today with a formalized um, board and a nonprofit um, 
known as the Friends of Mental Health. And since that event in 2004, we have had um, an ongoing event since 2010. They kind of restarted um, by approaching our agency, um, Southwestern Behavioral Healthcare, because their son was receiving services from Southwestern Behavioral Healthcare and said, hey, we'd like to take this grassroots effort that and the success that we had from the 2004 event and formalize it. And that's how they got incorporated into our organizations. And then we started a board and we started doing an annual fundraising event and it's led to um, where we are today in 2023, which is a ton of momentum and a lot of growth and a lot of people we've been able to, we've been able to serve. So is it still called the Blue Brother, Blues Brothers or when it was... Um reinvented in 2010. Does it have a new name? Um, so the Blues Brothers were actually a couple of anchors for CBS News, and that's what they called their event. So they would travel around the country and they would speak at different venues um, as the Blues Brothers. I see. So what is the event called now? Um, so that was that event. So we hired them. We actually paid talent fee and had them, well, they did, the Friends of Mental Health, had them come and speak and raise that money. So then in 2010, when they became a part of our organization, they said, we'd like to do a luncheon event. And so they did a totally different event because the other event was an evening event um, that was a show slash after party they wanted to start doing a luncheon and we called it Brim and Rim because it was right before the Kentucky Derby and we are right on that state line of Kentucky here. Uh, we have Henderson, Kentucky, just across the river where they have um, a Church Hill Dowd associated horse track. And so um, it was a luncheon where they had uh, tea and hats. And so they did that event from 2010 until 2018. Um, and then in 2018, they realized we have outgrown <clears throat> what we can do during a daytime format um, because they were really um, hitting it hard, getting a lot, a lot of auction items and people had to go to work. And it just was not enough time to do that big of a program over like a two hour span. So they were gonna take a year off and relaunched the event in 2020. Well, we know what the rest of the story is. Ooh, not so, a good year. <laughs> so unfortunately, we had a hiatus. Um, it did not bring the event back until 2022. However, in 2018, we raised about um, 38,000, I believe, in 2018. And when we brought the event back as an evening event, an evening gala, so that we, one, could take all those efforts and give us more time at night to have this event and then also have those individuals invite their spouses, we raised 77000 Nice. That oh, was in 2022. So it was worth the time off, the extra planning and all of that to really take our time and to push this into a different format. And so since then, we've been having evening galas. Good for you. Good, good, good for you. All right. Now I got the whole fundraising event history there. Uh, thanks for sharing that. But you know what I found a little interesting? Something that Marissa said and the humble beginnings of Friends of Mental Health. So Marissa mentioned about the stigma. And then when you put that on, you know, on the parking lot and then talk about the beginnings of Friends of Mental Health, it was really kitchen talk, right? It was, you know, coffee table talk. And 
what revealed itself in that coffee table talk is, well, yeah, raising hands like, yeah, and in my family, there's this and in my family, there's that. So is that what we need to just help this stigma, just talk, you know, get comfortable talking about the uncomfortable? Because you mentioned that it knows no boundaries, no socioeconomic um, status is protected from, you know, suicide and mental health issues and mental health disease. So is that just what we need to be doing podcasts like this and just talking about it? Is that one good step in the right direction? So I definitely think that's where it starts is just having those conversations um, because if we look at it, we actually don't know what other people around us are going through. Um, We can have people close in our lives and still not really know where their headspace is at. Having those conversations starts that narrative that starts of, okay, what does this person need? How can I help this person? Can I, do I need to get them situated with other types of services? Because again, we don't actually know everyone that's around us. Even if you have worked with people for years, if you don't have that conversation about mental health and have those difficult conversations and the uncomfortable um, feelings that come around it, we don't know what others need. And That's kind of where a lot of people come from when they are trying to find services is there can be a lot of shame. There can be a lot of guilt that a lot of clients when they come in for services that they feel and it has to be a comfortable, welcoming environment for them to be able to come in and actually tell their story. And that's where a lot of Southwestern Behavioral Healthcare, and that's where Friends of Mental Health comes in, is having a face and gentle conversations that will get them to feel like they're confident enough to get through their mental health struggles. So what is some of the other programming in, that you offer through Southwestern or Friends of Mental Health? So Southwestern Behavioral Healthcare on its own, we offer Uh, outpatient services for children and families and adult services. We have addiction services as well. We have group home living. We have two group homes. We have a stepping forward program, which is for pregnant women. Um, And then we also have... What am I forgetting? We have the uh, inpatient facility for addictions. And then we um, just in the last about six months, we opened a neurodevelopmental center to um, where we partner with Easter Seals. And it's the first one in the state of Indiana that's ever been opened. Wow. So that that's through Southwestern Behavioral Health Care. And then through Friends of Mental Health, we have different funding sections. So we have community needs funds, we have a transportation fund, and we have a medication assistance fund. So each of those things, medication assistance is for any clients who can't really afford to pay for their medications. We will, most of the time since I've been in this position, we have paid for every client's medication that an application has came in for. Transportation is bus tokens and gas cards. We do give a lot of gas cards out to our families who are having to travel to go see maybe their child who is in a residential facility that is farther outside of Evansville, Indiana, or 
clients who need to just get back and forth to work and they may not have the funds to pay for gas. And then our community needs fund is kind of exactly what it sounds like, just a number of things that families may need or that youth may need for school, um, just a lot of different things that can come from that community needs fund. Yeah, our whole goal, honestly, when we started all of this was to show our clients that we serve that someone cares. You know, they come in here and they think no one cares. No one would miss me if I wasn't here. Um, You know, they have all these feelings already with their struggles of their mental illness. Um, So we just want to, at the foundation, show them that um, we are here to support them and provide and help give them that pep that they may need. Um, Whether it's gonna help them continue in treatment or not, that'd be great. That's not the end goal with this, but um, we certainly would hope that they would tell themselves, okay, they actually care about me. I'm gonna try to do more to uh, obtain, you know, my recovery, if you will. So uh, we've just been trying to offer assistance in any way that we can to let them know that we're here for them. Yeah, because the mind really can play tricks on you. I mean, if you've convinced yourself that no one cares and you're lonely and you don't have another force telling you, you are loved, you are special, you are perfect the way you are, it, it, it you really can get into a, a head spin for sure and um, just applaud all, all of your efforts. I mean, the, the number one thing I'm hearing is, we care that that's that's what we do first and foremost and you're doing a lot i mean you listed so many my you know my head was like whoa and more and more and more but that's because 100% of the proceeds raised by the organization stays it, it's very focused on community and direct impact and there's certain you know areas that that you serve it's very concentrated but that's probably what helps you do so much is that how you're getting it done yeah so um you are correct 100 percent of the money raised um does go out to our community and we serve counties around us so we have gibson county we have posey county warwick county and vanderburgh county so those are all of our surrounding counties around us that we can help patients and clients get what they need that's really the most important thing and those are our catchment areas that southwestern behavioral health care works in so we go in a multiple different directions with services that are available and where friends and mental health can fund those patients and clients for their need. Yeah, let's go through those counties again. I just want people that are listening to, especially if anybody needs help, let's go through those four counties again. That is Gibson County, Posey County, Warwick County, and Vanderburgh County. Evansville, Indiana is located in Vanderburgh County. That is one of the biggest counties that we serve. That's where a lot of our needs are is Vanderburgh County. But those surrounding counties also get a lot of help from Southwestern and Friends of Mental Health. Yeah. So, you know, earlier I set up the corporate structure and mentioned the different entities. That's why this corporate structure that we have is so just healthy for um, all the folks that we serve is that Southwestern Healthcare offsets the cost of the overhead of the foundation. So that's why we can give 100% because any salaries, any uh, anything that 
you know, would be operating expense for the foundation is absorbed by Southwestern Healthcare. Wow. And whenever we fundraise, we truly can say that 100% of their money is going to go back to the clients. Wow. That's, that's impressive. It's a nice model for sure. So you have the support from Southwestern and we talked about your great fundraising and your reinvented, reimagined events that are doing well. And, you know, you're in the $70,000 plus um, area, but that's not all you need, right? You probably have needs and there might be somebody listening that wants to help. So um, monetary, we got that. And we're going to drop your links in the show notes. So if anybody wants to help with a donation, they'll have easy access to do that. But what else do you need to keep your programming and impact going? So one of the biggest needs that I have seen just since I have been with Friends of Mental Health is gas cards. We have a lot of clients and a lot of families that need gas cards to be able to get, again, whether it's to and from work or to and from like Indianapolis or past Indianapolis to see one of their kids that are in a residential facility. Unfortunately, on the child and family side, there's a lot of youth that go in and out of residential facilities and Unfortunately, most of those residentials do not provide funding to the families. So that's where Friends of Mental Health comes in. We provide those gas cards to those families to get them to and from just to be able to see their children um, and just to be able to have those weekend visits with their kids and that individual therapy that they have while they're up there. Yeah, we typically buy them what marathon gas marathon gas yep. cards. That's usually like, you know, because they have to go up um, the Interstate 69 um, from Evansville up to Indianapolis. So a marathon is usually pretty convenient for them to get their fuel. You know, I, I had no idea what you were going to say when I said, what else do you need? It, but if I had to make a top 10 list, it wouldn't have been that. Such a simple thing. I mean, everybody should be donating a gas card right now. I mean, for families to be connected and supporting each other and just a simple thing like transportation, we all need to maybe stop what we're doing right now and, you know, just maybe skip the Starbucks today and just send a simple gas card. I, I didn't expect that. I'm a little bit overwhelmed, to be honest, that that is on your number one list. Um, but we can all help in that. Right. Right. Everybody listening could could do that, I think. And thank you for sharing that. Um, let's look at it from another perspective. If you're someone who needs help. Let's give our audience some hope and, and direction and, you know, a place they can go. What should they do if they're in the areas that you serve? Where do they go? What's their first move? Um, well, they should um, talk with their provider uh, at Southwestern Behavioral Healthcare or Hillcrest um, because all of the inquiries we get come from their caseworker, from their therapist, from their psychiatrist, um, from their community-based uh, in individual that's serving them. So they definitely want to talk to their provider and say, I know you're providing the mental health, you know, addiction services or the, you know, whatever services they're receiving, but I need help on this area as well. So just, you know, for them to feel like they can come forward with the needs they have beyond just the service treatment needs that they're receiving. Got it. Okay. We're going to get that in the show notes too. Um, I wanted to segue to like this time of year. It's not an easy 
time of year. I mean, we think it is because, you know, go into any retail store and there's Santa Clauses and menorahs and lights and decorations and gifts. And but it's not all that. As you mentioned, I think it was Marissa, you who said you never really know what's going on when you're leaving the dinner or the gift or the fireplace, making s'more, whatever it is that you're doing, people are going back to their home and and dealing with with their feelings. And this is especially difficult time of year. What what do you see this time of year and and what um, why is it so important to have organizations like Friends of Mental Health right around Thanksgiving and Christmas and Hanukkah and New Year's and so, every other holiday that we're celebrating? Yeah. Didn't mean to leave anything out. So speaking just from my um, background that I have with addictions and mental health, the numbers rise drastically of relapses, can their use kind of getting worse, some a lot of overdoses, mental health really gets affected during this time of year, especially if there is not a solid support system that is wrapping around that individual or that family. So from my, from my point, that is a huge thing of where friends of mental health comes in. We actually have some funds that are coming in from a fundraiser for suicide prevention that will be going towards Hillcrest Youth Home and towards our behavioral health side that will help clients during Christmas to make sure that they get gifts and that they at least have something to look forward to on Christmas so that they're not alone during that time. And that's one of the biggest things I think to focus on is just make sure someone feels like they are wanted and that they are needed. Doesn't have to be monetary. It doesn't have to be a gift. A lot of it has to do with just spending that time with those individuals. Yeah, it's a it's a tough time of year, and my heart breaks for anyone who's who's struggling. Um, yeah, you never you, you never know you never know what's going on in somebody's mind or what happens when they you know go back home, and so we should all be sensitive to that. That's another thing that we can do, right? Give a gas card and be a friend, um, and and just take a moment from all the hustle and bustle. Um, and and to be kind to each other, but to yourself as well. You never know when some sort of issue is going to affect yourself. So what do you recommend for self-care or to just keep yourself in a good, you know, mental place? I mentioned at the beginning of this show, One Cause, the company that I work for, is just so on top of this subject and doing what they can as a company with their benefits um, to just emphasize self-care and mental health and resources for each and every one of us. So what what should companies be thinking about and what should individuals be thinking about just to protect themselves? I'm always an advocate of employee assistance programs. And so there is healthcare parity that, you know, we're all working through as an agency to try to get equal pay for mental health care, like insurance pays for physical care. Um, And so to help with that, employees have purchased what they call employee assistance programs. And this is where an employee can receive X amount of uh, visits with a therapist per year 
Um, and it's all different. So sometimes it's per incident. Sometimes it's so many visits per year. So I always um, advise companies to consider having that as a benefit for their employees um, to receive those mental health services. And then for employees to ask their HR director if they have an EAP at their organization. A lot of the people don't even know that their organization provides that um, or they dismiss that in the benefits. One thing I've um, been working on in all the years that I've been working in mental health is trying to get individuals to at least know what is available, even if they don't need it right now, down the road. Like you and I both know where our hospital systems are located. We may not have been to the hospital in five years. We may not go to the hospital for another 10 years, but we know where the hospital is when we need it. And that's how I feel about mental health. You need to know where are your mental health providers in your city um, so that in case your neighbor needs help, um, in case, you know, uh, one of your children come home and say they're worried about a classmate. Um, You need to know who if who the providers are and if there is a crisis line, too. That's becoming uh, very popular right now. A lot of crisis lines are popping up in communities. Um, So um, that is just one of the things I want people to really um, embrace is um, finding out what services are available and what you can use when you may need them, not when you're in a crisis, because that's when it's harder to find those things because you're scurrying and you're stressed um, and you're a high level of anxiety at that point. But if you already know what to do, like you would with a hospital, you would go quickly and you would access those services. Yeah, a plan. I mean, we, we talk about plans for so many different things, um, retirement and financial and um you know, if, if, if you were to have a physical ailment, a heart, right, but but have a mental health plan, know, know what to do. That's going to get you that much closer and quicker to help and hopefully avoid something just tragic. So that's great advice. Thank you for that. Now, I know we've come a long way, but what I'd love to hear from both of you, what do you see or hope to see in the next three, five, 10 years for change and um, enhancement in mental health and mental health resources and everything it is that you're doing at um, Friends of Mental Health? What, what, what are your hopes and dreams and desires for the next several years? So... I'll go first. Um, One of my, I do want to highlight something real quick because that's going to lead me into what I'm going to say. So Friends of Mental Health Foundation has granted over $177,000 for people within our community and individuals who really need help. We have served over a thousand clients to get them what they need. And that is coming from all of our different fund sources, community needs fund, transportation fund, and medication assistance. So I think with that, I would like to see the number of clients served continue to increase because there are so many individuals who need help and so many individuals who just need to feel like they're important. Um, that's a big thing for me. And that's what I would like to continue to see grow is other people having conversations and other people recognizing what they bring to the table in this world. 
where their spot is in the world and helping them feel like they bring something to the table. That's so important. And that's for anyone. Those just increasing those conversations, increasing those levels of interactions with other people because we're human beings, right? We we have to have those sense of connections with other people. And that's a big thing that I want to see continue to shift is those tough conversations happening and people just being more accepting and being kind. It's really not that difficult to be kind to others and lend a helping hand for whatever they need, even if it's just sitting there and listening. Not everything needs a reaction. Sometimes people just need to talk to get things off their chest. Listen to understand instead of listen to react. Yeah, it's golden for sure. I think we have time for Becky. I want to hear from you as well. If you don't mind hanging out with me a little bit longer, because I do want to hear what your three, five, 10 years hopes and dreams look like for Friends of Mental Health. Yeah, so... um for the friends of mental health, I mean, I just um, we did talk about it, you know, in 2022, it went from 70, it went from 50 ish thousand to 77,000. But in 2023, we actually went up to 106,000. Oh, so we did increase tremendously. So I'd love to see the community continue to embrace and show how much they care that to me was just um, so evident that they really put so much worth into our cause when we made that big of a jump from year to year. So I would love to see that continue to increase. But as a whole, with mental health um, nationwide, I have two giant things that are like high in the sky. My first thing is resiliency. I would love, love all school corporations to incorporate resiliency into their health plans um, with these youth. So if you're in a health class, I want people to come in and talk to these youth about what does it mean to be resilient when something doesn't go your way in this world. If you have a breakup, if you lose a job, if, if, if life becomes hard, how do I become more resilient? We are seeing um, this issue and suicide rates where people have major life things happen and they just turn to, I can't do this anymore. They give up. And that is just, you know, unfortunately the conclusion is, is taking their life. Right. And I would love for the resiliency factor to increase so, so they can realize that, yes, this is hard. Um, how do I process this and how do I move forward? Um, so I think that would be just so helpful as resiliency and increasing that in our young people so that this can be a cultural norm to be just resilient when the when the going gets tough, the tough keep going. Yeah, we've heard that for years. Um, and then my last thing is normalcy is just to continue normalizing mental health. Uh, we talked about stigma earlier, but how can people just realize that it's okay? We tell each other when our kids break their arms or when we're in the hospital for a cardiac issue or whatever it is, but we are very quiet about our mental illness and our addiction struggles. How do we make it more normal? How is it okay to just walk into that mental health facility and not be ashamed and embarrassed or worried who you're gonna bump into? I just would love to see resiliency and normalcy increase. And I hope that's the way we're going. We're seeing a lot of um, individuals who have influence talking more about mental health and addictions. Um, and so if we can continue on that road, um, I can see a lot of great things coming in the future. Yeah, I think we, I that sparked another thought in my head. And I think if you ladies don't mind hanging out for just a 
couple more seconds. Uh, that kind of leads me to one more question that we can maybe wrap this up. Is there a concern from either of you about overuse? I, I feel like um, maybe like what does the what does Hollywood play in the whole mental health, protecting of mental health and celebrities? Is it positive, negative? And then the overuse, is there a concern about overuse? I feel that I hear perhaps from Gen Zers or Gen Xers that it's, you know, uh, um, words that are on the tip of their tongue all day, every day, and sometimes maybe misused because not every, um, not every negative feeling, it's okay to not be okay. And not every negative means that there's a negative, there's a mental health issue or disease or concern. And so I wonder in that normalcy, where is normalcy? Um, and is there any concern in your mind if if Hollywood is playing a, a part, positive or negative, or if generations are misusing the normalcy? Does that make sense? I, I don't know if I'm expressing my question well, but... Um, so from my standpoint, I used to work with youth, children, and families before I transitioned to this position I'm in now at the foundation. And one of the biggest shifts that we saw is COVID, unfortunately. Yeah, okay. uh, social media has played a huge part in the youth of today. And COVID played a huge part because they there was just that disconnect. And there, in some way, shape or form, there is a some misuse when it comes to mental health terminology um, and understanding really what that is. But I think a lot of that is because there's not enough people talking about the real heavy part of mental health. There's a lot of, again, terminology being thrown around and things like that. But those hard conversations, they're far and few between. Yeah. They're the understanding and navigating. This is really what it feels like and what this looks like in other people's struggles with mental health, there's just not enough of those conversations happening. And social media and celebrities, that tends to pull a lot as well. Um, Some celebrities talk about mental health and they're very open with it, but others, you don't unfortunately find out about their struggle until there has been an overdose or unfortunately they have died by suicide and then everyone's asking questions and they're saying, well, we had no idea again, because those conversations are not happening. So it's their real hard conversations. Let's have them. Let's be authentic. And and my gratitude to both of you for just being transparent and authentic and sharing your own stories. Um, a small part, but I hope in some way this podcast will help and um, just to get that good, healthy conversation going so that we can be all on a road to understanding and the right education and having better health, uh, mental health. So thank you so much for joining. And I'm a little touched for sure and just um, grateful, but also overwhelmed. You know, when, when you say you need things like gas cards and, you know, the conversations are much deeper, um, I'm, I'm taken back. You know, I thought I had a little, a good 411. I know I'm not supposed to use that. That's That makes me 
ages me, but I thought I had like a good pulse on things, but you, you've been, and this has been eye opening. Thank you so much for joining the show and being so candid. Thank you so much for just giving us this uh, platform to continue to share, um, you know, uh, our foundation and then just raise more awareness around mental health and addictions. Yeah, we need that good, healthy talk about mental health. Well, Fearless Fundraisers, that's about all we have time for today. Thank you for listening. Um, It was a delicate topic, but an important one. And we do hope you enjoyed uh, today's Raised Nation show. Um, Tune in for a new episode release every Thursday at 12.30 p.m. That's Thursday, 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time. But in the meantime, listen to all the episodes on Raised Nation Radio. As I mentioned at the start of the show, follow the channel that you like best because we're everywhere. Um, Fundraisers are doing amazing things to build better tomorrows for our communities, as you just heard with the Friends of Mental Health. Stories are awe-inspiring. You don't want to miss a single episode. I'd like to thank our sponsor, One Cause, for making this episode possible. One Cause is driving the future of fundraising with easy-to-use digital fundraising solutions that help nonprofits connect with donors. Check it out at onecause.com. And please visit the resource tab. There is a huge catalog of free content, eBooks, and all sorts of um, articles that hopefully you'll find helpful. A huge shout out and thanks to my guests, Becky Glines and Marissa West from Friends of Mental Health for sharing a very um, authentic and candid voice um, on the state of mental health. I enjoyed our conversations, although it was um, delicate at times, but I'd like to ask, because we ask all of our guests, any last words of inspiration, whoever wants to go first? Um, so I always just like to tell people, you mentioned it earlier, um, it's okay to not be okay. Um, and then be kind um, to each other and be supportive and just ask um, what you can do to help somebody and then go after it. Do what you can. Don't stop. That's how I operate. I uh, love to just help people and I love to find a solution. Yeah, that sure came out in this show for sure. Becky, Marissa, what about you? Um, My biggest thing is you can't grow in comfort zones, Um, getting out of that, those uncomfortable situations really shows huge growth and continue pushing forward because things can always get better. You know, I don't know if that's been written anywhere else, but I love that you can't grow in comfort zones words to live by. Well, thank you again so much. We really appreciate you being here. Thank you so much. Thank you. Raise Nation Radio, that's a wrap. Until next time, I'm Dawn Lego. This is Raise Nation Radio. You stay fearless out there. 